Fate of Girl Mode. I'm one of your hosts, Willow Rowe. And I'm your other host, Robin B. So it is the end of the year, and that means it is gaming's biggest night. <laughs> the the annual the first annual Girl Mode Awards. Wow. AKA the Girlies. Here we are. Are you uh are you dressed up? Are you ready? Yeah, the, the stars are all out. I see Sonic is here on the red carpet. He's not wearing clothes, which is, I know, normal for him, but it feels weirder when it's, you know, in person. I mean, he wears shoes, but chooses not to wear other clothes, which it makes it questionable. It looks like he is wearing wearing designer shoes for the night, though, so Mm -hmm. that's nice. He's getting into the spirit. Now that it is the end of the year and we have forced um, ourselves to create a podcast where we can talk about things, we get to look back at the year and decide the best and the worst of everything uh, because we are the final judges. Yeah, we just we looked around and we said, why isn't there an award show for games? Why isn't there an Oscars of video games? We are going to solve this problem. Yeah, who who could possibly be better to do such a thing? <laughs> well, I I think without further ceremony, let's get into the awards, shall we? Let we okay. shall. Okay, so starting off, we have the best game of 2021 that I've played in 2022. For me, my award goes to Tales of Arise. My best game of 2021 that I played in 2022 was Returnal, which is a game that I played roughly an hour of in 2022, but I realized I didn't really play any games from last year this year, because I was too busy playing games from this year this year. Um, Yeah, I I put in maybe maybe 10 hours into Tales of Arise. It's it's a game that like everybody has told me that I should play that I would like, because it's just a good JRPG. Mm-hmm. Um, I've put in some time. I am very much enjoying it, so I'm I'm gonna make it a mission to keep at it. Uh, see how it goes. Nice. Who's your fave party member so far? Um, I mean, I I just really like the main girl. I forget her name, but Shion, the one with the, like the rifle. Yes, exactly. Yeah, she's great. I also like that, you know, uh, she just has a rifle, which is kind of <laughs> just really random, like early which, yeah. on, where everybody's just using swords, and she's just like, yeah, I have a, I have a sci-fi gun. I have a spell book. I have a gun. <laughs> yeah. Good combo. Um, so in that spirit, the next award is the best game I meant to play in 2022, but did not. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is your... Uh, choice, Robin. Yeah, I kind of feel like I have a lot of these, but the one that was sticking out to me is Mid. Sorry, Marvel's Midnight Suns, uh, and I didn't play that largely because it kind of just came out. Um, but yeah, it's cool. I like tactics RPGs. I don't really care about Marvel, but I've heard the writing is good and the tactics are good. And hey, what else could I possibly need? Yeah, uh, I'm. I'm really interested in it as well. I think. One of the things that sold me was somebody was like, this isn't as much Marvel's XCOM as you might think. And it's more like a Marvel persona or Marvel <laughs> fire emblem yeah. um, where you just get to hang out with your with your buddies. And, and also the game stars Magic, who's one of my like favorite Marvel characters. So yeah. I'm very much, very much into it. Yeah. Marvel um, fire emblem sounds great. If I can have a tea party with Wolverine, I'm, I'm, I'm in. Yeah, exactly. Uh, what was yours? Your... Yeah, mine is Kirby and the forgotten land which is a game that you know you've told me about and said it's very very good uh i i have it on my switch like downloaded right now and i just never touched it um yeah so maybe maybe next year we'll see Hopefully, uh, hopefully next year in the second annual Girlies, uh, Kirby and the Forgotten Land will make a return as the best game I played in 2023 that came out in 2022. So we'll yeah. see. Do you have any runner runners up for this category, actually? Because I'm thinking also, I was just reminded when you said it's already on my Switch and I haven't played it. I was just thinking of uh, Live Alive or Live Alive, however you say it, and Fire Emblem Three Hopes, which are both sitting on my Switch untouched. I have a uh, Pokemon Legends Arceus, Ar- mm. Arceus. Yeah. Um, which is we need like... a new category of least pronounceable game. <laughs> there are so many. It's absurd. <laughs> really are a lot. Most Square Enix games. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this is like the first Pokemon game that I've gotten in like 20 years. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm interested to try it. Uh, I hear it's, you know, fun. So yeah, I've heard like, yeah, I've heard mostly good things about about this game as opposed to the other Pokemon game that came out this year. <laughs> yeah, but that's, yeah, okay. The uh, All of the cast of Marvel's Sons is filing off the stage, so uh, we can move on to the next category, 
which is the dumbest thing that someone actually said to a reporter during a press tour. And boy, if, if you're gunning for the award this year, you had a lot of competition. Yeah, seriously. So first up is Naoki Yoshida, Yoshi P, and the team of Final Fantasy 16 um, on their on their answer about how will people of color be involved in the game in an interview with IGN, to which their response was, don't worry, they won't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they just don't exist here. It's fine. Don't think about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, that. yeah. Deeply disappointing, largely just because of uh, it was said by someone who generally doesn't say things that are that stupid, mm -hmm. uh, at least on, you know, uh, in interviews. <laughs> I don't know anything about his personal life. <laughs> um, but uh, really close competition this year. Uh, the I don't know. Maybe this is a runner-up. Maybe this is the actual winner. Uh, but anything that Glenn Schofield said uh, about Callisto Protocol, yeah, uh, I think the most like... egregious <laughs> being the crunch. His very infamous comment about like working twenty-seven hours a day and then trying to walk it back. Yeah, that was a that was an interesting lead-up to a game that ultimately <laughs> was not was worth not the crunch. Good. Yeah, not that any game is ever worth the crunch, but this one was especially not worth it. Um, Speaking I of think... games that weren't worth it, <laughs> a uh... game that's not even from twenty twenty-two. <laughs> we have the director of Days Gone yelling into the void about Days Gone and how. Uh, games media just didn't appreciate it because we're too woke. Yeah, which uh, I think we can definitely say with with uh, authority that definitely it's true. The woke mob has gone too far. There's there's too much acceptance of people like us in society right now. <laughs> it's it's definitely it's definitely woke reporters that are the problem. Yeah, um, I, the the fame comment that I love is uh, the problem with Days Gone with reviewers was that they couldn't stand a gruff male lead who looked at his date's ass <laughs> which doesn't make any sense and also why are you bragging that you put that in your game you, yeah it's it just doesn't make any sense which is this like is reminding me also i need to send you all of the gifts that i made of terrible glitches that came up in days gone when i had to review that game because <laughs> they're very funny yeah it's uh it's also like buddy you don't know us at all because like i love a horny game <laughs> right it's it's most of what we talk about seriously it's our brand really <sighs> okay well um i think that the days gone guy is still shouting on twitter about how he was snubbed so we we should just try to like shuffle him yeah, off yeah someone cut cut his mic before he starts <laughs> talking about bill clinton <laughs> Um, so next up, we have an award named for our esteemed colleague, Jess Reyes at Inverse. This is the best game that was just mid award, which I think uh, for for decision making goes to the best like seven out of 10 kind of game mm -hmm. um, where it's not it's not bad. It's just mid, but that's not bad. Right. Uh, Sometimes it's good to be not that good. Yeah. Uh, for me, my award goes to Need for Speed Unbound, which is a, uh, it is a 7 out of 10. I, I did literally give it that. Um, and it's not bad. It's just not as good as other racing games, but it's, it's fun to like just spend some time in with the like cool anime um, special effects on the driving just doing a couple races and like trying to knock cop cars into like water and stuff like that. So uh, it's a good time. It's just not a great time. Yeah. Sometimes that's kind of all you need. Like, especially in a racing game, it's just like, does it feel fat? Does it feel fun to go fast? Yes. Great. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. This is a game that I actually do want to play and haven't yet. I will say one of the, one of the great joys about Need for Speed Unbound though, is you can actually make pretty cool looking characters. Um, I ended up making a really hot character and I just remember <laughs> looking at her, her the whole time. She had this like really short, like neon, like green pixie cut. Um, oh my gosh. and I was just like, I'm kind of attracted to my own character. <laughs> um, so that's, that's a benefit for the game. Yeah. My, uh, winner for best game that was just mid award. This is a game that I probably would have given less than a seven to, to be honest. Uh, but I'm giving it to the tomorrow children, uh, Phoenix edition specifically. Uh, this is a game that came out originally in like, I don't know, 2016 or something, and then got its server shut down a year later. Uh, and then they re-released it this year, uh, and it let everyone see why they shut the servers down. Uh, I actually think it's a, it's a very interesting game, which is why I was a little conflicted about putting it in this category, because like, I, I think it's worse than mid, but it's more interesting than the uh, sort of jokey title of this, this award suggests. Uh, yeah, just a weird, like, 
building game with strange online components. It has lots of lots of interesting ideas that don't really add up too much, but it's a thing that I'm I'm glad it's out there for whatever weirdos are enjoying it. Yeah, I'm always a fan of a game that even even if it doesn't like work out, that does something kind of interesting and unique. So. For sure. Yeah, I think I think that's that's this game for sure. It's 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 looks like kind of nothing else. It plays like nothing else, which is a good thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, it's whatever. It's there. It's out there. If you want to play it, you can play it. Yeah, I mean, I do I do highly suggest people play more mid-games. Absolutely. Like games that are just middle of the ground that don't get a lot of attention. There's some interesting stuff there that's definitely worth checking out. Yeah. Um, so moving on, uh, we have a very prestigious award uh, for the most realistic trees of 2022 and this one this was this was no competition uh this goes to a plague tale requiem Mm -hmm. this game it was a shoe-in for the most realistic trees award um so if you haven't played it it just has it's gorgeous like this game is so shockingly gorgeous and when I was playing it, like in the opening section, there's this, um, like before you get to all the like blood and gore of the like rat infested like landscape that comes later, there's this opening section where you stroll around this like field of, of grass and flowers and trees. And I remember like walking through and I you go you go past this one big tree and I just like stopped and stood at it for like five real minutes. Cause I just, so this like, is also the best game to play high award. Absolutely. Um, ex- except maybe the later sections. That might be a little scary. <laughs> but I just looked at this goddamn tree and I was like, whoa, look at these leaves, man. These leaves look great. <laughs> no, and seriously, because I feel like so often like trees, when you look at them up close, it's, it's just like a 2D leaf. Right. Um, just like put on this tree. Uh, I don't know these the textures on these trees, Robin. You gotta see them to believe them. You, you do. I uh, I'm a, I was a big fan of this game, and not gonna lie, the trees were were a big part of it. <laughs> That's great. It gave put an extra point on its review score. Yeah. Um, my winner for this category. Uh, is God of War because I I didn't have a good answer for it and apparently that's what you do at game award shows you just <laughs> you just nominate God of War for everything. To be fair, God of War has maybe the biggest tree in I'm video sh- games. Oh, I doubt that. Elden Ring surely has the biggest. Oh, tree. true. Oh, good point. I didn't even think about that. Wow, huge year for trees. Oh man, twenty twenty. You know there was the year of year those of the arrows, tree. but twenty twenty two is the year of trees. Year of the really big tree. <laughs> what will be next? Uh, but uh, you know, moving past the tree to look at the forest per yes. se. <laughs> it's almost like I planned that segue. Um, next up is best game environment. Uh, Robin, what what is the best game environment of twenty twenty two? Uh, for me, it was definitely Mistwood from Elden Ring, which is uh, a part of the the world that you get to like pretty early. Um, the reason that I'm I like gave this the award to this one because I I just had an incredible moment in like the very early part of my playthrough with with Elden Ring when you know it, it's early in that game you're like not sure what shape it's going to take uh, and what kind of things you're going to find in the world because like from software it does lots of surprising things and this was like a very mysterious project um so there was a lot of like tension for me whenever I got to a new kind of region about what I was what I was going to see there and I just remember early on like strolling into Mistwood on my horse and like getting off to explore all these little side paths and stuff and it's just like this forest that as the name implies is incredibly like misty so like visibility is really poor and you just like you can just hear like things moving in the distance you can hear wolf howls happening and it's just like very frightening. Uh, and if you go, like, if you take a wrong step in basically any direction, you come across these giant, like, murder bears that can completely destroy you at this point of the game. So I remember, like, going from exploring to jumping on my horse and just running at a completely frantic gallop, just trying to find my way out of there. Uh, and it was, like, one of the times this year that I was the most, like, tense and afraid and like excited and curious about what was kind of hiding in in the distance uh and it just made like it was just like one of my like most enduring uh memories of a game that was like full of incredible moments yeah Uh, i mean i also feel like that's so it's mistwood itself is like feels like a microcosm of just what so many players experience in elden ring 
in like any of the game's many locations and kind of just encapsulates why it's such an interesting game um because it truly is like it truly is about player exploration in a way that open world games haven't felt like in so long um which is why people can have like these experiences like you did with mist yeah yeah that's something that like basically any uh kind of region of elden ring could have kind of taken this for that reason because it is like it is open world in the sense of giving you space to explore as opposed to giving you a map with lots of dots on it Mm -hmm. um but what was what was your your best game environment yeah so for me the best game environment of 2022 goes to stray but specifically the first big hub area which is the slums um because something that i think is so great about stray is obviously you play as a cat but the slums mechanically make this incredibly interesting because it is a um it's this very vertical vertically packed environment um, where it's just like apartments and buildings built on top of each other and it's designed for humans or humanoids with the like the robots and playing as a character who can interact with this environment in ways that it's not designed to be is this really interesting thing of like encouraging the player to be creative about how they mm. move through the world and i think that the slums is this really incredible like just perfect slice of the game that also feels it's like loosely organized where you can just kind of go around and do whatever you want there's there's like they're not quite side quests but they're like little things that you can do in the world some of them that are related to like moving the main plot along and inside of this area you can do them all just like at any time um for example the narrative at one point like you meet this guy this robot and he's like oh i'm cold i need a blanket and in the slums there's an old woman like knits old wiring to make blankets like ponchos um and so you have to go find cable then find her and then bring it back to the robot who was asking for it but you can encounter any of these like pieces of it like before the narrative asks you to. So if you just explore the world um, of the slums, you can find the the woman who knits first and she'll be like, oh, like you're so cute, you little cat. I would love to knit you a blanket, but I don't have wire or something. And so you're you're given that in your mind or you can find the wire first. And like it's very plausible for you to have gotten the poncho before you even meet the character who it. Um, it's a very believably made environment that feels perfect for the mechanics of the game as well. Um, and I think that later on the game loses some of that for, you know, reasons related to needing to push the story along and how it changes gameplay a bit. But the slums itself, I think, is a perfect encapsulation of like Stray's main selling point, which is the idea of what if you played as a cat in a video game, which sounds really silly and it is, but it's, it's pure joy in the slums because it's so perfectly designed for it. Yeah. That sounds really lovely. That might, that might actually replace Midnight Suns as the winner of my uh, game from this year that I need to finish still. <laughs> um, yeah. So moving on, uh, the next category is the coveted best performance. Um, Highly coveted. Yeah. Christopher Judge is not here. Christopher Judge will not be making a 10-minute speech. <laughs> Unfortunately, we we couldn't. Yeah. The schedules didn't line up. We couldn't. Yeah. We couldn't book him. It's fine though. We're not giving away Steam decks, so it's like <laughs> no loss. Um, but so uh, I thought the best performance of the year is Dominic Armado, who Dominic Armado has been the voice of Guybrush Threepwood in Monkey Island for like a couple decades now. Um, and in Return to Monkey Island, he voices Guybrush again. And the way the game plays with comedy and um, how Guybrush interacts with the characters and the world and like breaks the fourth wall uh, to you, the player. It all requires such incredible comedic timing from the voice actor. And it's like very interesting because, you know, as a voice actor, he doesn't really have the ability to like play off the player. Um, It's just recorded lines and then you just encounter them. Um, But he sells the character so well and the comedy just like works more than like any game. I think it's really hard for games to be truly funny. And he like accomplishes this in spades. I think he with like without Dominic Armato, I don't think Monkey Island would be as good a game as it is. 
Um, so that's why I think uh, the award goes to him for best prince. Yeah, high praise. Uh, my, it, as we were, um, as I learned when we were doing our, our game awards ballots, <laughs> I like played so few games this year that actually have voice acting because I was like running through my memory like I don't remember hearing anybody's fucking voice uh but I'm giving my award for this one to whoever it is who plays Zero in uh Final Fantasy 14 and Walker we literally spent like five minutes on Google before recording this trying to find out the name of this voice actress uh and I'm I'm giving her this award because I'm down bad for Zero uh that's basically that's basically it uh if anyone knows if anyone knows who this person is uh tell her to call me um (laughs) we did we uh she she is great though uh as is uh uh, medion i think gave a great performance uh that made me very sad um yeah good game turns out uh we so uh going to our next category uh is the award for best game mechanic um (laughs) and this is just for like you know what a game you know what you know what this is about it's just like the one thing in a game that's just like regardless of what you feel about the game this is a cool thing that that you enjoyed playing with uh, and for me, this was like the first thing that comes to mind for me is Tunic. Um, so Tunic is like a kind of, you know, Zelda style action RPG that I don't really think is that great of an RPG and the combat, which is like a big part of the game is not that great. Um, and like even exploring the world is not the best, but it has You're this doing in- a great job selling it. Yeah. Well, <laughs> <laughs> what I'm selling here is the mechanic. My, and my point is like, even if the game isn't that great. Um, the kind of central conceit of Tunic is that like when you start, it doesn't really tell you how to play. Like there's all kinds of things like you can use magic and like leveling up your character and just all these different abilities that you you have the ability to do from the beginning of the game, but you you just don't know to do them um, for the most part. You know, some of them are things you need to acquire, but there's a lot of things that like if you knew the right button to push, you could do this, but it just doesn't tell you those things. And so a big part of the game is as you explore the world, you can pick up like little pages from an instruction manual uh, and they like give this really satisfying way if you can kind of like zoom in and like turn the page over and it really looks, you know, it feels like a like a page torn out of like the Legend of Zelda's instruction booklet. Uh, and those serve as like, you know, basically the tutorial, like it teaches you how to play as you play the game, which is just like really clever, really satisfying, uh, just a nice little like break of the fourth wall to, to kind of keep you interested. Uh, and yeah, I think it's just like one of the most clever, like realizing that that was what the game was going to be, was just such a great moment for me this year of just like being so excited to like see where this goes, you know? Yeah, I think it was, um, I had a really fun time with Tunic, um, mostly because of that mechanic about the game manual um and i think it was really interesting how in a way it played on people who already know video games so there's like a language that people already sort of understand with just what you would typically do in a game um so it's like okay i kind of know or have an expectation of how i'm gonna like swing a sword but (laughs) like there were these weird moments of of like eureka where you're i'm just like running around the world and just kind of like playing with buttons and then all of a sudden I just like did something that I had no idea I could do before yeah and I was like whoa I did not know I could do this and then um eventually like you'll find the page that like details what you're actually doing um it's really really interesting and not to mention even that you know within that mechanic itself there's an even bigger like puzzle that the game has which I thought was pretty genius yeah, I had a similar moment of like, I think it must have been like using magic or something where I hit a button and there was like an animation that was like, I should be doing something here, but I don't have, I, there's something that I need to be able to do it. And just knowing like, oh, I can't do anything with this yet, but it clearly later I'm going to acquire something. And just like that mystery uh, was, it is also just kind of like builds on the the whole, the whole concept of it that, in a way that I really loved. Yeah. Uh, but what about you? What, what stood out for you this year? So for me, I think the most inventive game mechanic was in Pentiment, um, which I talked about before, but Pentiment is this 16th century like murder mystery, uh, but most of it is played by just talking to people but there's no there's no voice acting in this game so it's all done through like little text boxes and this game takes place in a point of like history all about the transition between like writing out books and the invention of the printing press so 
everybody's dialogue boxes look different and they're written in ways that help the character and you the player determine how to think of them or connect them to mysteries going on uh for example like you'll interact with peasants and peasants will have like a very simple script that isn't really detailed and they might make um they'll write quicker but they'll make more grammatical mistakes which every dialogue box is like written out in real time like a pen is doing it and then you will go to the you know church and you'll meet a priest and the priest will have like gothic lettering um that you see him write these like very nice strokes and it 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 breaks down even further than that like older priests have a more like old english style text where younger ones still have a flourish but it's not the same um And then there's a great moment where you meet a character for the first time who his job is to, he works a printing press. So instead of his dialogue being hand script, it is printing press blocks. Yeah. Um, And it's It's really clever. (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's just really fascinating because I found myself during playing, like really paying attention to the way people talk um, and how it's represented and using that as like guidance in how I wanted to pursue the mystery, which I thought was just really, really inventive for something that I think is often just expected to not really matter in a game and Mm -hmm. turning that into like a key mechanic. I just think it's incredible. Yeah. This is another game that like I from this year that I need to finish. And every time I hear you talk about it, I'm like, why have I not played more of this game yet? Because <laughs> that all sounds great. Um, okay, yeah. But next is the maybe not the best award, but <laughs> it's best bug. And I think the obvious, you know, award or w- one of the winners is Pokemon Scarlet and Violet, which just asks the question: Can this game even run on a Switch? <laughs> Mostly the no. Barely. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's just so much pop in. Um, great videos of people like throwing out their Pokemon and them just falling through the floor. <laughs> Do you have a, fa- a favorite bug from this game? I think Is it's there... no. Yeah, I mean, I think it's just when you, when people throw out Pokemon and it opens and then it just falls through the floor and the Pokemon just disappears. <laughs> yeah, um, that that one's great. I love the one where there was like a flock of some flying Pokemon you were supposed to find, but they were all stuck inside of a mountain, so you yeah. can't actually get to them. Uh, the funniest one for me, though, was the one that makes your eyes just bug out of your head, <laughs> <laughs> like your fucking Tex Avery cartoon or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's very funny. Um, I think I, uh, gosh, this is really embarrassing, though. I, I must have misunderstood the category, because uh, I gave best bug to the the ants from Grounded. Um, oh, no. T- oh, this is such a twist. Which, yeah. Yeah, uh, just really good, uh, good ants. You get to look at them from from ground level. Uh, they're really they're nice. I like them. Uh, good bugs, just good, good bugs, bugs all around. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but our next category, which is it's much harder to misinterpret, fortunately, uh, is the best looking game of the year, um, which some might call best art direction, but some would say that's imprecise. Uh, <laughs> so my award for best looking game of the year is Saturnalia, which is a game that I haven't heard like a ton of people talking about, but everyone who I've heard talk about it is obsessed with it. Uh, it's like a, wh- a really cool horror game uh, with like weird roguelike elements. Uh, it's an interesting game, but the thing that is, is like most pertinent here is that it's like extremely cool looking. Uh, people like to use the term like hand-drawn to describe a lot of different art styles. Um, you could certainly apply that to Saturnalia, but it's much, uh, it goes much deeper than that. There's like kind of a neon color palette uh, and also like segments of like that are really like, desaturated and like black and white. It's it's very difficult to describe. Um, it, it does, you could describe it as hand-drawn both in like the artistic style and the animation where it looks a little bit framey. Um, it just plays a lot of tricks with it. Um, uh, it's, it's again, very hard to describe. Go find Saturnalia. It's like a, it's, it's an interesting game and a, a absolutely gorgeous game uh, that is like both beautiful and experimenting with its visual design uh, in, in some really, some really fascinating ways. 
so it's like it's a game that I will never tire of of looking at. I think. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, speaking of neon color palettes, Ooh. my choice for best looking game 2022 goes to Neon White. Um, I think what's really fun about Neon White is that, like, gameplay wise, it has this really fun like 90s vaporwave like Sega look. That's really really fun. Um, all the level levels are like super bright um, and just have these like great effects when you're you know zooming through the levels but then that's like not the only art style because when you're not doing missions it you talk to characters and it's basically like a visual novel or like a dating game um and they just have these great like anime character pictures that they put up when you're talking to people it's really fun i think it's just a joyful game that's like we're just gonna smash a bunch of art styles together (laughs) and it'll be cool as hell uh and i think it works a lot so that's that's why that is my choice uh i do want to give a quick shout out just because something you just said uh, of smashing a bunch of art styles together to potionomics which is another like i think under discussed game from this year that has like depending on whether it's a you know a game about running a potion shop and selling potions and depending on whether you're like talking to somebody or running your shop or out in town they're like very distinct art styles throughout that game um and they all look completely different and they all look great uh, and i think it's just really interesting to see um a game that can have very different aesthetics uh, depending on what you're doing at the time and to have them all work like both serve the like they fit in the environment that they're shown in and they're beautiful uh, I think is a really like really excellent accomplishment um, so runner up to uh, <laughs> to Potionomics yeah I always think about games um, I always think about Final Fantasy 7 the original one mm-hmm. um, because it has the like different art styles where it's yeah. those like weird small polygonal like chibi figures when you're just uh-huh. walking around but then cutscenes are the like nicer CG models. Um, I think more games should choose to just mash together art styles with like no real explanation. Yeah, it's fun. Uh, well, if we're coming up to one of the most important categories that we have here at the Girlies. Yeah, I mean, I some you could argue the most important. I mean, I think we might. Uh, so this is the award for the most romanceable NPCs in 2022, which this is the this is the award that we're really looking at, you know, this all year long. One. Lots uh, of competition. Uh, yeah, it's it's one you're you're filing away, uh, you know, candidates in a notebook the whole year. Lots of long hours spent hashing out the the the, the order of them all. What uh, for you is oh, for the me. game with the most romanceable? NPCs? Well, interestingly enough, <laughs> I, I just mentioned Potionomics. Uh, and for me, it's potionomics. Um, so on top of like brewing and selling potions with both, which both have like excellent uh, mechanical representations in potionomics, a big part of it is also uh, you're, you like set up shop in this town and all of the other kind of shopkeepers and adventurers in town who you can like buy ingredients from, uh, they're all really, really well fleshed out characters. Uh, it's not just like here's the shopkeeper, you go and you buy, you know, Eyes of Newt or whatever from them. They're like actual people with stories and personalities, and you can you can befriend them and, you know, eventually start to date them. And I think what makes it special is like how well written all of the characters, well, not all, there were some characters I didn't really like, but for the most part, all of the characters are just like interesting. They have very distinct personalities. Um, they're fun to spend time with, even if they're not someone who you're trying to like build up your your friendship level or whatever with like it's still enjoyable to talk to all of them um and yeah i think it's a lot of times i've played a lot of games where it's like they have a bunch of different characters with with distinct personalities but they still feel kind of the same like they talk in a very similar way uh potionomics like doesn't feel that way like they feel like realized people they're 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 like they have their own wants and needs uh special shout out to mint who i romanced and i love and she's the best uh she's like a rookie adventurer who shows up at the adventurers guild and is like oh i've written fanfic about these people and now i'm getting to hang out with them it's great um but there's lots of other great characters in there too that like whether you romance them or just try to be friends with them they're just uh, a ton of fun it's a great cast mm-hmm. uh and how about you? What, what was your choice for the most yeah. possible NPCs? For me, this had to go to Harvestella. Uh, this is a game that I've I've loved. Um, it's Square Enix's JRPG slash farming sim. And in the spirit of sim games like Stardew Valley, you can date people. Um, there are a few characters uh, 
Most of them also double as party members in combat um, that you meet throughout the game. And you can slowly, when you like do their specific quest lines, get closer to them and start forming a budding romance that eventually you can uh, propose and start a wonderful life together as partners. Um, I think that there is, there's no question in my mind that the the best romanceful NPC, though, in Harvestella is Estina, who <laughs> is the, we've talked about her before in passing, but she sure is have. the, she is the hot um, school teacher with swords. She's amazing. Um, yeah. She was like, already hot, and then she had swords and got hotter. Yeah, it's like, you, you don't need to say more than that, but also, um, <laughs> <laughs> like, in her, her story in the game is actually a really interesting one um, that I think goes really well with, like, romancing her, um, where you kind of, like, learn more about her and get closer, and it's kind of about, like, gaining trust and understanding another person's, like, faults and how they reckon with her past. Uh, I, mm. she, she is so special to me. I love her. I want to kiss nice. her in real life. <laughs> uh, honorable mention to Cress, the doctor. Uh, oh yeah, for for also being hot and for showing up in that one cutscene, <laughs> just like wearing basically lingerie. <laughs> yeah, it's so it's so random. It's no it's explanation given. And I I think that it's supposed to be that's just what she wears, but like it it's it's deranged. with the doctor coat off of it, and I'm like, whoa, go off. Yeah, she just shows up. It's it's we've discussed this. It's <laughs> it's it's a very memorable moment. Yeah, for sure, definitely. It will never leave my mind. Yeah, uh, but to to cool down a little bit, uh, we can move on to uh, the Gender Slider Award for excellence in character creation, uh, because sometimes it's just fun to write really stupid titles for things. Um, <laughs> and I, I think we both have the same thought for this one. Yeah, we do. Um, for the this the inaugural uh, Gender Slider Award for excellence in character creation winner uh, is going to I was a teenage exocolonist. Uh, much which is deserved. Game, yeah, much deserved. Another game that I think um, should have gotten a lot more attention this year than it did. Um, one thing that we have both talked about uh, with about this game is like when you start off uh, in, in the character creation process. Uh, part of that, as in most games uh, or or many games, is like choosing, you know, what is your gender? Uh, and in this game, instead of being like, do you want to be body type A or body type B? Uh, it gives you a slider, which is not which is not good. Like a slider is not a not a necessarily the best way to represent something like gender um, because it do, it do, it just does it is necessarily like a weird like binary thing with a option three in the middle uh but what makes it interesting is both it's funny that there's a gender slider uh but also like you choose your pronouns in this game uh and you can uh throughout the game you can actually change them uh so it's not just like you decide your gender at the beginning and then and then that's it because hey turns out that's not how life works either so uh it's actually really cool that it gives you the option of at any time if you decide like your character just isn't vibing with your gender anymore you can change it uh and that's just like it's such a very simple and subtle thing that just speaks to uh, a person actually considering uh, a thoughtful way to mechanize this very messy concept of gender uh, and just acknowledging the fact that it is this this thing that, that can, that is for some people is in flux uh, for your entire life. Uh, and it, 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 I think it just deserves some recognition for that. Yeah, I think um, there's also some some really like joyously hilarious options that come up um, because it's just they have, you can choose like different options for when certain characters like have dialogue with you. Um, I think my favorite is you can choose between your character getting referred to as cowgirl <laughs> or cowboy or cowpoke. Ah. So good. Which I love it. It's, it's I think great. actually that's a gender neutral term we should adopt more often. I think so. Instead of, you know, hey guys and hey cowpokes. I think that would, I can't think of a single person who would be unhappy with that. Yeah. In honor of Bridget from Guilty Gear, we uh, will just start calling everybody cowpoke. <laughs> what an honor. Um, yeah. So next we are going to talk about the award for most emotionally devastating game, um, which for me goes to signalis and uh, yeah. what about you for me it goes to stephanie and you know one could say that we could talk about this for roughly an hour 35 minutes yeah um and we In have fact, let's just insert the entire previous episode right here Enjoy. yeah 
exactly. Um, we we did spend all of last week talking about these games extensively. Um, go back to uh, last week's podcast and or episode and listen to it. I think we had um, a great discussion on both of those games. Um, so yeah, congratulations to both of them. <laughs> they finally got the recognition that no one has been giving them. Yeah. Right. <laughs> uh, but next up on the list... Uh, is the award for most game. Uh, and this one probably requires a little more explanation. Uh, do you want to give both your nominee and what you mean by it yeah. for this one? <laughs> so my my nominee for most game is God of War Ragnarok, which to me feels like a whole lot of game. Um, in <laughs> personally not the best way. Uh, it's a long ass game. There's a lot to do. And it's it's very much a triple A third person prestige uh, video game to to uh, its detriment for me. It is the epitome of the idea that more is better. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I believe it it, it is the most game of the year. Yeah, it is a lot of game. But I think you uh, you have a different opinion on this award. So what's your nomination? Yeah. So I took mine to be. The game that is just the most of a video game, like this is, it's just a video game ass video game. Uh, and for me, that was uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Shredder's Revenge, which is basically like a revival of the old kind of arcade beat 'em ups, uh, with just you know much more fluid controls. Uh, and and it, you know, but it but it does capture the the real the feeling of playing those old arcade games pretty perfectly, at least the way you remember it and not the way that they were actually clunkier in reality. Um, and for me, this is not a negative thing. It's just like, you know, you just, you push the buttons and you punch ninjas and it's just a lot of fun and there's really not much more to it than that. It's just, it is what it is and it's it's tons of fun. It's cool as hell. Video games cool are cool, man. <laughs> Every once in a while, they're cool. Yeah. Um, so next we have the Best Delay Award which this is for a game that, for whatever reason, we are just currently not ready to deal with it being out. Mm-hmm. Um, and similar to uh, most game, we have two two different interpretations of this for our nominees. So we, we gave it to two games. Um, first is Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. Um, do you want to talk about why that is, a, why that's one of our winners for best delay. Yeah, I mean, largely for just being a giant game that I'm sure we're both going to completely lose ourselves in. Uh, if it's anything like Breath of the Wild, uh, just you know, a massive game with a lot of exploration to do. But unlike uh, the winner of uh, one of the winners of our previous award, uh, one that doesn't fill you with dread at the idea of exploring at all, uh, one that's actually kind of a joyful experience, and uh, it seems to be one that will have, you know, as much surprise as its predecessor and uh, as much of a, a, you know, detrimental effect on the sleep habits of every person who owns a Nintendo Switch. Uh, I don't know if you have anything to add for this nominee before we move over to the uh, less honorable (laughs) mention. Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, so yeah, the other other winner, quote unquote, for best delay (laughs) is Hogwarts Legacy, which... Is a good thing that it's delayed because I just My want shoulders this... like tensed up when you said that name. <laughs> yeah, uh, I just want this game to be delayed forever and then just yeah. die. Um, thankfully, at least it was pushed a little bit to February, so we can avoid having to deal with it for a little bit longer. This is a game that I just I want the delays to keep coming. Uh, yeah, never... it's a game about putting down a slave rebellion based on the IP of a notorious transphobe. Mm-hmm. Uh, every delay for this game is is a good delay. Yeah, this is more of the one. Yeah, Zelda is we're like not uh, we're not ready in the sense of not having enough time. This is one that we're just not like emotionally ready for. <laughs> Yeah, Zelda is the complimentary uh, award, and Hogwarts Legacy is the derogatory award. Exactly. Um, uh, okay. So moving from a game that we'll never play uh, to a game that we'll never finish. Uh, this was, as as you've mentioned, a year of many uh, massive and deep games, uh, many of which we, I think probably both of us have picked up and put a couple hours in and just said, gee, I sure will never know how this game ends. Yeah. Uh, um, and this is one of the few categories, actually, that we gave the award to the same game. We did. Uh, Girl Mode collectively agreed that <laughs> the game in 2022 that we will never finish, but is great, 
was Elden Ring. Mm -hmm. um, uh, yeah, I sent you a screenshot showing that I played 169 hours of this game nice. this year. Nice, 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 nice. And I'm about halfway through, and I don't know if I'll ever get farther than that. Uh, it's a game that I loved basically every moment of, and probably will never finish. Yeah, I mean, I think in a way, like in our backlogs episode, we talked about this. You don't ever have to finish a game to feel like you experience the game and i would argue for you know some people elden ring is that kind of game yeah i experienced the hell out of it I, I would like to see the end just because like i've played every other like FromSoft game that's come out since demon souls um i've i've played them through i've 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 loved all of them um uh, oh actually i didn't finish bloodborne either but i have controversial bloodborne opinion um but yeah, it's it's something I would love to see more of just because so much of it is so satisfying and so surprising. But at the same time, I I played a lot of this game and I enjoyed my time a lot. And if if I never touch it again, uh, I think I'll still uh, have had a good time with it. Yeah, I mean, I think 169 hours is enough to say you had a good time. I Yeah, I'd say so. Not, not like a casual, you know, glance off of it. Well, we are at the final award of the night. The biggest wow. award. The... We've been going at a breakneck pace. We have. We've been Should we pause for a couple of commercials or like game <laughs> trailers? Maybe. Do we uh, have a world premiere? Do we have somebody who can come and play an ocarina for us? Oh, that'd be I wish. We need to get uh we need to get a Muppet on. Yeah, oh my gosh. We really should have thought about that. I don't know if we can afford a Muppet. Maybe we can get a Fraggle. <laughs> They're not doing much. <laughs> <laughs> They're free. Oh. Uh anyway. Um <laughs> so... <laughs> <laughs> somehow uh we're here at the end um uh and we're finally here girl mode's game of the year 2022 our first uh, ever game of the year award wow what a what a moment mm -hmm. it's all been leading up to this okay um, uh do you want to say what our uh what our award is going to do we want to try to say it simultaneously yeah this will go great okay okay and How the award this? goes to, to Citizen, Citizen Sleeper. Sleeper. Yay! Yay. Um, I think that this was, was... That went great. Yeah, this was inevitable. Uh, it's yeah, the least surprising choice we could have possibly made. A game that I think we've mentioned on every single episode so far. Probably. Um, yeah, do you want to start and talk about why this game fucking rules? Yeah. Um, I'm gonna, So the way I'm going to start talking about it is... There was a, a brief period of time near the end of the year where I wasn't sure if Citizen Sleeper was going to be my favorite because mm -hmm. I, I had played Signalis and I loved it so much. And I kept being like, is this better than Citizen Sleeper in my mind? So I went back when the new um, chapter came out for Citizen Sleeper and I played it. And the second I got back into that game, I was like, <laughs> never mind. This game is definitely <laughs> the best game of the year. I love it so much. This game is so yeah. perfect. Um, it's masterful in how it tells story and imparts emotion onto the player. Um, I think it's really, really special and unique. Um, and I very much enjoyed like making my sleeper story um, their own and getting to an ending that I felt j was was right for the story I wanted to tell. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think I may have mentioned this on another episode or maybe just to you before, but there was when I went back to play the uh, episodes, uh, I had been at the point in another character's storyline where I was like going to start like their kind of final story beat. Uh, and when that happens for a lot of characters in this game, you kind of you get like a final mission for them that's on a timer. Uh, and if you don't finish it in time the, the thing fails uh and because i was playing through the uh the dlc like the new chapters that popped up and i just ignored it because i was like i need to finish this dlc thing i can't mess around with that like maybe i'll play through it again and i'll make different choices uh and so i did and i just ignored their mission and so a few like in-game days later they came to me and were like you know talking about how that mission had failed it was like they had like missed on a job and it was this big opportunity for them and now they would never get to have it. And I just remember, I felt so terrible. <laughs> and I realized like at that moment, I was like, I don't, I don't know if I can start again because this, like this feels too real. Uh, and my whole playthrough to me, like feels so, it feels so real and it feels so special. And um, it's just the story that ended up coming out of the game was just absolutely like unmatched in terms of like uh, just the kind of the depth of the characters and the kind of just strange journey that you take from arriving in basically a cardboard box uh, and then becoming 
a kind of an integral part of this this like space stations community uh it was just it's so emotional and it's like it's so gorgeous and like there's beautiful art and beautiful music throughout and beautiful writing and uh it just it it does such a good job of building its world and making you care about the people who populate it uh that it really like i don't think a single day has gone by since i've played citizen sleeper that i haven't thought about it at some point yeah i i agree i i think it does a lot um and i mean you've talked to the developers about a lot of this mm-hmm. stuff but it it uses the like basics of tabletop role-playing game like storytelling methods to an expert level um and it just the way that you play out and are able to interact with the world it it does feel it has a weight to it that I feel like a lot mm-hmm. of games aren't able to accomplish with um, other characters because Citizen Sleeper is a game about it's it's really not just about you it's about living in a community and helping other people out it's not just this just thing of like you have to satisfy yourself go accomplish these things it's, it's like you have to help everybody and everybody's struggling you're struggling um, I also think it it's really interesting that there's like there's no real fail state. Um, you can fail things but then the game kind of just rolls with it mm-hmm. and it incorporates into the story and so like kind of along the lines of your what you were talking about like you can uh harm relationships yeah it's i just think it's it's a really special game um this, this year and just in my recent memory in any year i i think it's exceptional yeah and, and just to go back to the the mechanic bit is like that was one thing that caused a lot of friction for me at the beginning of the game was like the the randomness of it and the like the kind of lack of choice that you feel at many times because uh, of your like limited dice pool that you use to to accomplish different things Uh, and it was only kind of like in toward the end of the game and looking back and realizing how much those mechanics are tied to the game's themes of like of scarcity and chance and uh, the way that like just the act of of interacting with all these people and trying to address those needs like drains your energy. Um, it is like I think it takes a lot of uh, of skill to to make a mechanical system that like feels bad to the player on purpose and doesn't make it a a, a game that feels bad to play. Like it's 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 a mechanic that is it feels unfair and it feels like uh, you're being punished for things beyond your control. And that's an important part of the story. Uh, I think that's that's just like, I mean, you called it masterful. And I think in so many ways you can apply that word to it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, congratulations to Citizen Sleeper. Yeah. You <laughs> won the most, no yeah, you won the you most prestigious it. game award there is. Yeah, the uh, most I can think of. Yeah, the the, mo- the first annual uh, Girlies Game of the Year. Congrats, Citizen Sleeper. Everybody go play it. It's fucking fantastic. <laughs> yeah, it's it's so good. Man, uh, we did it. We did our awards show. Yeah, I can't believe it. And it didn't even take us three hours. <laughs> I didn't know that was, a, that was legal. Yeah, maybe we should just, you know, keep talking about... Give me, give me more time to talk about the trees from A Plague Tale. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, let's uh, let's make up some more categories for God of War to win. Yeah, is God um, of War an indie game? Best indie game, God of War Ragnarok. Uh, I think I think God of War Ragnarok will be fine without uh, without the prestigious girly award. Yeah, just yeah, they're gonna be so disappointed. I mean, hey, they won they won most game. I'm sure I'm sure PR can spin that some way. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> most ellipses game. Yeah. Um, yeah, okay. I guess uh, we can talk about just other stuff we've been doing this week. Uh, yeah. Robin. Aside from all the award preparations we've been doing, uh, arranging flights and so forth. Yeah, this has been a lot of work. Um, yeah. We had to roll. Rolling out this red carpet actually took a lot of effort. I, it doesn't seem worth it. The legal fees that um, Sonic is going to be racking up now with just his <laughs> shoes, it's its not good. He had to have known what was going to happen. Yeah, yeah uh, Sonic is single-handedly bankrupting uh, Girl Mode. This is the last episode. Thank you, everybody. Oh, Goodbye. Um, no, but yeah, uh, what have you been up to this week besides besides this prep? Yeah, um, so I think the, the thing that I've kind of enjoyed the most this week was uh, I played through a game called Melatonin. Mm-hmm. Uh, are you familiar with this game at all? No. Cool. So it is like, it's a game that just came out uh, as of recording like two days ago. Uh, it's a, a, a game that kind of just popped onto my radar like shortly before it, it was released. Um, it's a new rhythm game. Uh, it's the first game from a developer called Half Asleep, uh, and it's it's very much in the like rhythm heaven style of of rhythm games. 
where it's not like a kind of rock bandy thing where it's just like showing you the, the buttons you need to hit and you need to hit them in order. You're watching uh, like animations on screen and timing the presses to both like the beat of the music and what's happening on screen. Uh, and the whole premise of this game is like it's a series of dreams that you play through. So there's like a dream about food, a dream about money, a dream about the past, a dream about like work. Uh, and they all have these like kind of clever little ways of representing that where there's like the one for work is just showing like a bunch of people in cubicles like you know clicking on forms and things and you need to time your button presses to when they click those things uh, and so rather instead of just showing you press this button now you have to kind of like it gives you like each stage has a practice mode that shows you exactly when to do it but in the actual stage you're watching it to like you have to kind of get the cues on your own um and i think there's a couple times where that doesn't really work where like if the time you need to hit the button doesn't feel like the the right time but for the most part i think it works really well um just lots of really clever ideas uh, of how it represents these dreams the music is really interesting it's very kind of like um sort of like like it you know reminds me of the like chill lo-fi beats like youtube streams <laughs> yeah uh, but often with like a lot more energy than that um and the really the thing that i really enjoyed about this was it's it's broken into segments of four levels at a time and after you beat those four levels you go to uh, a medley that kind of combines the four levels uh so you're you're switching very quickly like you'll be playing one level for like two seconds and then it switches to the next level and then it switches to another and then back to the first one uh, and then the very last stage of the game does that same thing but it mix it mashes up every single level from the game i think there's like 20 in total uh so it's just like you're reacting it's it's you only ever use like left and right keys and like the space bar. Um, so it's very simple controls, but you, you have to kind of like go back and remember how all these games worked and match them to the beat because the, the song that they're tied to is now changed. Uh, and it's just a really clever way of like wrapping up this whole experience in a nice little bow. The whole thing only takes like 90 minutes. Um, so it's just a very cool little thing yeah. uh, that I really enjoyed playing. Uh, and it also, I'm also going to give a quick shout out to... Um, a game that I couldn't stop thinking about when I played this game, uh, which is Sayonara Wild Hearts, which is Hell another yeah. rhythm game that's very different. Uh, it's much less demanding. Like you basically almost never have to act on the actual beat, <laughs> <laughs> but it's like just a very chill game. Uh, but once you once you beat it, you unlock what's called album mode, where you just play the whole game in one sitting. And I, I do that like for whatever reason, I do it every year around this time. Uh, so I'm probably going to play it this weekend. Uh, but it's just a really fun, like fun electropop soundtrack. Uh, it has, maybe I'll talk about this more next week because it has an incredible level that I want to talk about in more detail. Uh, but uh, Melatonin, great new game that I just played. Sayonara Wild Hearts, great game from a couple of years ago that I, I replay very often. Yeah, uh, yeah I mean, I, I like Sayonara Wild Hearts a lot, so I'll definitely check out that. Cool. Well, in the meantime, what have you been up to this week? Yeah, so uh, over the past week, I finally like <laughs> filed my final review for the year. So yeah. I kind of am like a little bit free now to just play games that I want to. And for whatever reason, um, I have picked up Death Stranding for the first time. Nice. Um, and I'm playing through that. Uh, I, I started like yesterday and I sat down for like three hours and just played a bunch of it. Um <laughs> It's, I think the, the thing that like urged me to do it is the announcement of Death Stranding 2 at the Game mm -hmm. Awards. And I was like, I, I should do this now um, or else I'm not going to get to it. Uh, but it's, it's really interesting. Like, um, I mean, I've heard a lot of people talk about it and I know it's going to be weird because uh, it's Kojima, but I'm enjoying it a lot. And it is very meditative in a, in a fun way. Um, it is a AAA walking simulator, but in like the best way, I, I've, I find it really fun, like planning out routes um, across the game's map. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's just it's it, it it feels fresh against a lot of other big budget games, um, which is something that I really enjoy. So I'm looking forward to uh, spending more time with the game. Uh, I think over the holidays before next year. Yeah, I would love to hear more about it. I actually have not played it yet either. Uh, it's been one that I've been meaning to get uh, get around to. Um, but I'll be I'll be very eager to hear if you keep playing it how it how it hits you because it has it was such a, a divisive game um and such an interesting one yeah I, I also think it's just hilarious that uh you know just like Guillermo del Toro is there as like a character <laughs> yeah um, and like I think Conan O'Brien is in the game yeah there's like a is... lot it's 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 just Kojima's so like I have all these weird like friends that I'm just gonna 3d scan yeah it's kind of I kind of love it I mean mm -hmm. yeah if I had 
you know, millions of dollars in a game development studio, I might do the same thing. <laughs> it sounds like he's having a good time. Yeah, seriously. But <gasps> with that, it's I think I think it's coming to a close. The the first annual girlies are are, are done for. It's one for the history books. Yeah. Congratulations to uh all the winners or uh or sorry that you won certain awards to some <laughs> games. But uh that's how Please the cookie crumbles. Us. Yeah. We already we've already been sued so much. Um but I guess that's gonna do it for us. Uh it's not the end of us it's not the end for us for the year. Uh, I think we're we're because we are coming up in the end of the year now. I think we're gonna have another episode uh like each week through the end of the year. Uh, so you'll have more of our nonsense to deal with through the holidays. You're welcome. But until <laughs> that happens, we have been Girl Mode. You can find us on Twitter at girlmode underscore pod. You can find us on co-host at girlmode-pod. And you can find me on both Twitter and co-host at Robin Bombas. I am on Twitter and co-host at the Willow Row. And that's it. Yeah. Goodbye. Congratulations. Congrats. We're sorry. Goodbye. Thank Yay. you. <laughs>